Right, welcome to episode 9 of the Exodus of Magic podcast. Uh, today, I have my friend Dragon here, and we are going to talk about the fine line between lawful good and lawful stupid, and how playing those characters, those lawful good characters, specifically paladins, potentially knights, monks, or any other character that's going to align as lawful good, uh, can be both exciting and also problematic, especially in a party with other characters who might not be lawful good or, or within one step, not the lawful neutrals, not the not the neutral goods, even the true neutrals. Uh, how chaotic goods and then lawful evils and then people who may claim those alignments but fit into the bottom left corner of the tic-tac-toe square tend to behave. So let's, uh, let's start by saying hello, Dragon. Hello, Dragon. <laughs> that works. So let's start with just think of a lawful good character you've played and how it has gone uh, burrito with too much hot sauce badly and finding out you're out of toilet paper. Well, I think the worst that the one of the worst that, uh, pal, uh, like lawful good characters I've played was a paladin when I was younger and. I was very much playing that lawful stupid stereotype. Basically the guy who goes around and is constantly using detect evil. And as soon as I saw someone who's who glowed evil being, I'm going to smite him because I'm the paladin and that's what I do. And then you had this, I had the person turn out to be a succubus and I got curb stomped. And then I rolled a new character. There's... D&D uh, can be a teaching tool as well, audience. Yeah, I was young and stupid. Every, everybody goes through the, the learning experience. I think uh, of another one where... I go back to your dad on this one. This <laughs> arguably his most famous, or dare I say infamous character, where he was playing a lawful good... It was, I don't know if it was a paladin or if it was a monk or what have you, but he went into the book of Exalted Deeds... And unlike everybody who goes vow of poverty, because it is wickedly powerful, especially for monks. It's assuming you play it right. Most people don't. I, honestly, if in most campaigns I run, anybody who took it should have lost their powers at some point because you've you've definitely crossed the line. But he went with the vow of nonviolence and the vow of peace in a game where there were nine players at the table, <laughs> and most of them fell outside of that. That upper corner, lawful good, lawful neutral, neutral good alignment. Some of them were just chaotic good in name only and <laughs> shifted over to the to the right on that chart. And what I remember is he, he played a character who was, was being lawful good, but he was also willfully lawful stupid. Because the vow of peace can create an impossible will save to beat that acts as a super sanctuary. Anybody within a 40-foot radius can no longer commit acts of violence if you don't make the will save. And he would run in, please, please, there's no need for this mindless violence. Let's be at peace and talk through this normally. With eight other players at the table who are not built to be the most pure good guy. People who are built to do crazy violent things. And he'd keep sweeping the leg out from under him. Now, in fairness, he wasn't so much lawful stupid as he was lawful troll. Yeah. Right? He, he, was, he, wasn't, he wasn't trying to be a goody-goody two-shoes. He was using that as an excuse to just be a jerk. And he, he led to the great Rube Goldberg moment where they <laughs> had to figure out how could they kill him from a distance. Because I think he went monk. Because they couldn't fireball him or lightning bolt him or any of that. 
Crazy evasion and the crazy evasion, etc. You couldn't. He deflect arrows. Couldn't shoot him with an arrow. Uh, and then even if you tried to hit him with rays or whatnot, because he was all built on dexterity and wisdom, you couldn't hit his touch armor class. Because he's all like with all of the stuff he had and the juice he had, because he didn't go vow of poverty, he could have magical items. He had a touch armor class north of twenty five. Because he, he started off with 18s, and he went with an elf, so he could have the 20 in dex to start, 18 in wisdom. right? So automatically, he's got a touch armor class of 19. You start stacking magical items on that, and he's just smiling at everybody because he can't do anything. So they had to get him into a bar. You know, they got an in into the bar, he went to sleep, Everybody they got cleared everybody else out, and they found a way to blow up the building. To collapse the building on him in the when he was sleeping in the first floor, to just splits the guy and be like, "Yep, that's the end of it." And then they fired catapults at the building just to be sure. He basically made the uh, greased up deaf guy from Family Guy. Yeah, you can't catch me. Yeah, it, it, except instead of being blatantly obscene in the classic, uh, I can't remember the creator's name, uh, McFarlane, yeah, in McFarlane way, uh, he he was intentionally trolling the people he was supposed to be uh, playing with, yeah. which, you know, as, as we discussed in an earlier session, that party cohesion matters. Hell of a guy. He, he, yeah, it, uh, there's lots of, lots of history there. So looking at that, have you had a successful lawful good character? Yes, actually. Uh, it's Pathfinder, but just that's not that different from yeah. 5 System agnostic here, just any lawful good character yeah. that survived. But uh, it was a again, it was a paladin. Um, the DM was like, "We're gonna play a game where you're all goblinoids." I was like, "Cool, I'll be a hobgoblin," because it was like the best option. Uh, and I wanted to be a paladin because I mean, it, it had been forever. Not just since I played, uh, it had been forever since I played. It'd been even longer since I've been able to play a paladin because I kind of avoided that for the sake of party cohesion. However, this time I wanted to play a paladin to challenge the DM, but not in like a confrontational way, because he had like misconceptions and preconceived notions and all that kind of stuff about paladins and lawful good and be automatically meaning lawful stupid, etc. So I made a paladin and I specifically chose a deity from Pathfinder where one of her domains, uh, one of her like main focuses is, is, you know, the idea of redeeming others. That anybody can be redeemed. So I was like, perfect. Even if there's evil, even if people play evil in the party, this means that I can still be a paladin and not have to worry about the you know whole you can't be friends with evil people or you stop being a paladin stuff. And it worked out great. I actually the person that I actually worked the best with was uh, my buddy Vaughn, who is a lawful evil bugbear alchemist. But we worked together, our characters worked together great because, I mean, a big part of it was because even though he was evil, he wasn't, like, mustache-twirling evil, like, you know, I'm going to kick off the puppies and burn down the orphanage. So he's lawfully evil, not chaotic evil. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was uh, was lawful evil, not, uh, not lawful stupid evil. Because you can lawful stupid isn't necessarily just for you know lawful good people. Well, I, I challenge that <clears throat> because with with lawful evil, in order to make lawful evil work in a party, especially if you're not an evil aligned party, you have to be the smartest person in the room. Right? It just doesn't work otherwise. Because then you 
you lose order and you slip into neutral evil very easily, right? Whereas as lawful stupid as you're taking lawful good to such an extreme, you're, you're being a moron who's making it clear people can't work with you. Lawful evil, to do it right, you, you have to be more of a manipulator, but you still have to have your perspective of, of, of the common good. It's the idea that the, the bad guy doesn't think of himself as a bad guy. Further down the thing you go, the neutral evil guy doesn't think of himself as a bad guy, but he really does take a look in the mirror. And the chaotic evil guy damn well knows he, he's trying to be the bad guy. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's the Joker. And then, like, on the lawful good side, there's the, you know, when you, when you slip from lawful good into lawful stupid, usually accounts to the point where you're behaving in a way where you can't work with other people if they're not directly on your your line of action, right? It's the inability to to compromise because my way is the right way. Well, I'd argue that you know you talking about like lawful evil being manipulative and whatnot. In a lot of ways, you kind of have to be that way with lawful good if you're in a party with evil people as well. It's just that it's not manipulation. You're not manipulating the party with malicious intent. Well, Whereas if you're yes. lawful evil, more than likely it's mali- if it's either self-focused or malicious intent. It's it's the 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 common good versus the personal good argument, right? But the the intolerant incapability of lawful stupid, I think, is where things get lost. And finding people who can play a, a lawful good character falls in a couple of buckets. One. They need to understand how a lawful good character works in the confines of the party. And two, this goes back to my talk on party cohesion. You need to have the right party because right now, you know, I'm running two different D and D games. You couldn't put a lawful good character in one of them, paladin or not. He will get he or she will get eaten alive by the rest of the party because that is just not how they roll. The other party, I could play a lawful good character. Even a paladin, if I was not running the game. And I could make it work in the confines of that party, because they're mostly good aligned. And I, I understand how, like, what their motivations are. Right? I, I Dare I say, if you're going to play it lawful, and it's not just lawful evil, lawful good, lawful neutral, you need to be... I mean, it's, just, it's easier if you're, you're the smartest person in the room. Because then... You need to be able to empathize with what everybody else is doing and find a way to, to get their goals to be found at the end of the road you pave. Right? I mean, there's it's easier when everybody's neutral because you're kind of everybody's going to do their own thing and uh, you're not concerned about the consequences of their actions. Where anybody I've seen who's played lawful understands that the, like other people's actions will have consequences to their goals and they need to act uh, accordingly. And when you're bound in the way lawful good is, where especially if you're going to play a paladin, and paladin is the ultimate special case of lawful good, right? You have you have guardrails, and unlike yeah. most guardrails that are like the bumpers in a bumper bull, this, these guardrails are like the electric fence around a cattle ranch, right? You bump into that thing, it hurts, and you might lose the ability to eat solid food for a week. Right. I I actually enjoy uh, you know especially as I've matured as a player and. You know, left that stupid, chaotic, you know, nature behind and have learned to actually think things through, especially, uh, you know, no more talking about how roosters aren't chickens for me. Um, also roosters. Uh, 
It's a joke. Don't worry about it. Uh, there was... I enjoy that the, those guardrails. Like it, it makes it makes me have to think more about how I'm going to play my character. It makes me think more about you know the type of character I'm going to play, and some you know in some ways it does it does limit you in how you can uh, like the type of character you can be, but it also makes you it can also make you think outside the box. Like uh, for another lawful good character, I had the a knight in one of your games. It was like an island setting. Um, and I had a ring of swimming, uh, for good for good reasons. But there was a moment where my character was on their horse, and we were dealing with like this corrupt city or whatever. And this guard is like, it kept on trying to get me come down off of my horse, off of the road, and down by the canal. I'm trying not to giggle here, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, because I remember that you'll understand in a minute. And I kept on, yeah, I was like, and the guy was like, "Come down here." I'm like, I, so I was like, "Why? We need to speak to you." I can speak to you from here. Like, I was basically trying to drag it out the, as much as I can to avoid getting down by the water. Because even though I had a ring of swimming, it basically meant that I had a net zero with the armor check penalty. So it was basically going to be a die roll plus strength modifier. Luckily, I had a good strength modifier because, you know, frontline warrior type. But I managed to drag it out for a while before I finally went. It was like... Because he said... Uh, he, Basically, try uh, pulled some, uh, like dug into my character's sense of honor or whatnot, and I was like, I can't think of a way around it. And I went down and I. Spoke I challenge you. No, that was later. That was, that was the like, wizard. That was the wizard. That's right. That was the wizard. Late. Uh, that was later when we went from islands to desert because of Jeff's freaking. It was. I'm pretty sure it was Jeff's wish to have. I'm. I don't want to be up by any more islands. So it's like, poof, you're in a desert. It's like, great. I went from being in full plate worrying about drowning to full plate worrying about burning in my armor. So that was fun. Slow cook. Uh, that was also the whole deal with the crown and fucking... Yes, fucking. there there's a whole bunch of, of other issues that, that came up. Uh, oh, Eric. But the I, I do remember the wizard because, once again, and this was the line, the wizard being intelligent and making the, the knowledge check to understand how knight work, knights work, where it's like, I challenge you. Right. I challenge you to a fair, unarmed battle. Right. That Like, <laughs> like I accept there, there, Mr. Yeah. Evil Wizard who will not by any way violate the sense of honor that is tied to this. Like, at that point, I was kind of frustrated and tired. Like and the the party had been dwindling down by our own stupid decisions, and it was the last session, so it didn't really matter. So, I and my character was like, "Fine." I drop my sword, I close distance, and I clock him. And I almost you told me I almost dropped him with that punch, which would have been amazing. Yep, before wizard. But if I had been thinking more clearly, I could have just gone. I do not accept this challenge. And just closed distance and swung with my sword instead, which definitely would have dropped him. Yeah, the charge from the horse would have, would have added the damage. Yeah, but you you say this, and then he backs up five foot step and just lights you up like a Christmas tree. Well, that was my turn. <laughs> I mean, I managed to get in with the punch. I would have been able to get in with the swing. Oh, yeah, the sword would have done enough damage to finish him off. Yeah. But it was just that, that great moment where it's like, all right, his turn. Goosh. Like, uh, but that was not a issue of me being lawful good. That was me, uh, completely an issue of me being tired and not thinking of that option of just being, I decline, you know, your challenge. 
which I totally will have been within my rights to do. I will, I will let you hear for the good of the podcast. Uh, say that in this moment right now, dear audience, I will back up his story that he was tired and that was, and that's the reason why this mistake was made. There was no, no way. Any other factors involved in this? A big part of my tiredness was emotional tiredness because I was the one lawful good character in a party of chaotic neutral and air quotes chaotic neutral characters. This is and I was constantly the target, especially because one of them was my dearest sister. This is true. I mean, if we learned anything from that, it's you shouldn't be at the same gaming table as your sister. I think that's we. That's definitely a lesson learned. I love uh, my sister, but not at the table. I I think of when I think of the lawful good characters. I've only in in three five. I've only ever dared to play a lawful good character once, and I did it because I knew the other three players at the table were good aligned characters. They were playing them as good aligned characters, even if one of them was chaotic good. You know, the nature of this question where it was ultimately going was I could play a lawful good character here and it would it would fit and it would not put me in a position to need atonement down the road. And I built this was late in the game and it dare I say, if you if you can make a higher level lawful good character, the survivability goes up dramatically. Because you're not gonna be when you are put in those inevitable positions by people who are not lawful good, that can shorten the lifespan of your character. You're more survivable. So I built a Goliath and I was allowed to take the vow of poverty because I, I had a very clear character idea who went ascetic knight. So he was stacking monk and paladin into being a wrestler. Mm-hmm. The idea being he would run around with insane unarmed damage, but he would use like the wrestling death attack that you can use to just incapacitate people. So he wasn't, he was only killing like the big evil dragon or bad guy where it's clear redemption was not an option. Right. And I remember it because it was done in such a way where I didn't get in the way of what the party was doing. They would do whatever they're doing and I'd go off and be the lawful good poverty guy who's at the the wizard university I'm doing laundry and shepherding kids to make sure they get to class and teaching them how to how to, you know, make their beds properly in that military paladin fashion and just how to be how, how to just be disciplined with your basic things. And when we got through to to a point where my character sacrificed himself during the Satan template, my DM, who was Tom at the time, just looked at me with this, this utter shock. And he's like, of all the people at the table, you are not the one I would have thought could play lawful good. And it's like, just because I haven't doesn't mean I couldn't. I, I, I identified it's like like being able to light a flame from a match. I understood the conditions that had to exist for me to manifest as a playable, lawful, good character. right? Because you're never... Unless you have severe emotional issues, you're never going to have the four white mage party, as it were. Because that's... No amount of therapy can, can take care of a group that does that. And I say that with all the love in the world. But to, you, to, to play that lawful good character, it, it could only have been that group. Yeah, like it's it's not even about what the other players are playing. When it, if you want to play a, if you want to play a paladin and not have to worry too much about coming across as you know the jerk of the group or the spoil sport or whatever. Like if you have the right group, you that won't even be an issue. 
It's like not, it's about it's not about what they're playing. It's about who's playing and and how they're playing, right? Yeah. It's like you could ha- you could have a rogue and a swashbuckler and whatnot, but if they're playing, you know, if they're playing in a way that is conducive to team play, where you are going after goals that are noble goals, right? You're trying to do good things, even if how they do it from time to time can be a little questionable. Like they. The party has to understand you do those questionable things outside the purview of the paladin. Yeah. And you but you also have to bank it on doing things the paladin's way so you can have that thing of trust. So the paladin never questions how you accomplish this seeming impossible thing in that short amount of time. Like you must be a really good diplomancer. Ask me no yeah. questions, I will tell I'll you no lies. lies. We, we, I had a party where somebody else was playing a lawful good character. He was playing a lawful good Kensai, and I was playing a rogue. And we had an understanding. It's like whenever something bad had to happen, it's like, I need the wisdom of your forefathers. Go out into nature and seek me an answer. And then while he was gone, I would solve the problem that the lawful good character couldn't. And then I would go find him. It's like we were inspired by your... Because I, I was my character was a very a, a bluffomancer, as it were. It's like, listen, we we got this thing done, and we didn't have to kill a bunch of people to do it. Not a bunch. Well, that never came up. The question <laughs> of how much is a bunch was the, the semantics that got overlooked. The idea is we didn't have to kill a bunch of people. Oh well, then we did good. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. I just remembered another uh, fun lawful good character I had. Again, it was a paladin because it was fifth edition, so night wasn't on the table. Um, and yeah, in fifth edition, you don't have to be lawful good to be a paladin, but I think that's bah, whatever. Silly. Anyway, but there was a moment where I I was a uh, paladin and I was a uh, tiefling, and Jeff was also in the group, and he was a rogue and a tiefling, and very much not lawful good. <laughs> I don't think he was evil, but he wasn't good. Yeah. And we had a moment where we were dealing with some cult or whatever. It was like in a pre-built adventure thing, and we had to survive. We had two survivors from an attack against us because the wizard of the group had, you know, actually no, it was him as his bard. Yeah, he was a bard, not a rogue. Uh, he slept. He used the sleep spell. So we had two prisoners. Each of us took a prisoner to interrogate. Now, my method was basically. I drug, I drug him to, like, a clearing of the woods. I took a length of rope. I fashioned a noose. Put it around the guy's neck. Looped the other end of the rope around a tree branch up high. Put down a stool. Forced him up onto the stool. And just leaned my foot against the school, uh, stool and said, Let's have a conversation. In just a nice, pleasant tone. And it worked. I got the information I wanted. His tactic, meanwhile, involved, uh, I think, fingernail removal? Yes. Yeah. And, hey, nothing I did was, you know, I didn't hurt the guy. I didn't tell him any lies. I just made him believe that I would do do this. And if I had failed that intimidation check, which I, (laughs) I easily passed... Uh, I would I would have just let him go. I wasn't I wouldn't have gone through with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean it's 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 a it's a weird fine line in knowing how you know where you can get to it before you have to to, to stop. Yeah. Uh, and, and thinking about the fifth edition and the idea of of the paladin not as lawful good, I think uh-huh. in that perspective you're it shouldn't be called a paladin anymore. Like if you're a holy warrior, kind of like a favorite soul in three five that 
fits it where you're the holy warrior of a deity you could, and you get the extra juice because of it. That that made sense. But traditionally, the paladin had had the honor code and was, was noble and and, uh, and in a lot of, In a lot of ways, you're limited. But you're limited for a reason. Paladins are pretty juiced compared to other classes, especially starting out. Like you got some, like it's not a lot, but you get some healing ability. You're a frontline warrior. Eventually, you can get some spells that make you even better of a frontline warrior. You get to be immune to fear and disease and all that kind of stuff later. Eventually, you like the, you get the saving throw boost at second level. Yeah, you like you got some uh, like pal- uh, like paladins are pretty uh, pretty juiced, especially you know especially if you roll well for stats because you kind of need strength, con. Wisdom, charisma. charisma. So you need four out of the six to be at least decent. Well, in, in second edition, and this is where paladins really got their, their, their shine to appreciate how how special they were to actually play a paladin, is you had, it's in, technically in third edition, you, you don't have hard and fast stat requirements. But with casters, for example, you need to have... You know, like a stat of ten plus whatever to cast. Ten plus, that. Uh, ten plus spell level. Spell level to cast. So you need eleven spell. for first level spells, twelve, etc. Yes. With and then with the rogue, right? You, if you don't have a good dexterity and intelligence, you can't do the rogue things. Like yeah. The bard's no charisma. You're not convincing anybody. And the fighters, if you don't have that strength, you're just a okay. You're stacking feats, but you're not really doing a whole heck of a lot. In second edition, each class had a hard and fast. You have to have these stats to be this class. So that's that's why any of us who played that long ago are used to the idea, well, I have terrible stats. This guy's a farmer. I'm going to re-roll. <laughs> now, it's the old, I rolled a farmer, is, our, is how we'd say it. Uh, but back then, you needed to have like a 17 charisma. And in second edition, charisma was, was the proverbial dump stat because you didn't have skills or whatnot built on that. So it was up to the DM to kind of deal with... Um, how things were, and really every every party I'd been in, with the exception of one, was filled with those scraggly faced whatevers. Because oh look, I had a six; it's my charisma. <laughs> because it didn't have a measurable mathematical tie into every other stat. Con was hit points and some of your saving throws. Dex armor class. Um, wisdom was the spell casting for a wizard. Intelligence for the arcane guys and strength, obviously. Charisma had no. There's no chart where charisma ties to anything. And I remember because you, you needed like a, a 14 in strength, a 17 in charisma, a, uh, and then there were there was like a requirement for wisdom and like it, was, it might might have been 15 strength, 14 wisdom, and a 12 constitution, like just to, to be able to play what a paladin should have been. And I've only ever seen somebody honestly roll one that once, doing a, a 46 assign as you will. And weirdly enough, that was me. We were playing through some canned second edition campaign, or it's like second edition box set, and I roll this guy, and I remember because I open up with a 17. Right? I get, a, I got a 17 on my 46. It's like you know what? I'm shooting. I want to be the paladin. I want to do the paladin, and I go through the first four rolls, or the first five rolls, and I get there. Right. So it's like I have this. I have my my dexterity is going to be a 10, and I'm looking at this, and and I looked at the DM, a guy named Chance. It was a buddy of mine at the time, and I said, "Listen, I I want I want to roll three. I want the three intelligence paladin just because. And you know, it's four d six. Remove remove one of your choice. That's important because then I go for the I go for the intelligence, and I roll three ones and a six. 
And I look him dead in the eye. I'm removing the set. <laughs> and he's just, why? It's like, because at the time, there was the mindset of lawful stupid. So he's really going to be a lawful stupid. Yeah, you're, you're, that's a case of justifiable lawful stupid. And, like, there was a moment in that Pathfinder game where we found some pool of an unidentified liquid. And I was taking, like, I had bought a bunch of, like, this and that things with all my starting gold money. And just poking them into the pool to see what happened. And some person was like, why don't you just stick your sword in or something like that. I was like, because I got a positive intelligence modifier. That's why. That's right. Because <laughs> it could rust my sword. And we're going to pretend like that's what my concern is. Well, the the samurai did stick his sword into the pool. And it was like, the water it melted, then it melted the tip of his sword off. Oh. It's like, you know, Van Hell's like, viscous material. What did I tell you? Yep. The... Uh... <laughs> I think of Paladins, and the only other time I ever played a Paladin back in 2nd Edition was at Gen Con. And it was interesting, because it was built on the idea that you need the 17 to play Charisma. So it was a, a Paladin story where six people sat down at a table, and you were all given a random... It wasn't even a full character sheet. Like, there was one character sheet for the Paladin, and then you drew to find out which of the six stats you were. Oh. And I was Constitution. So everything scared the living bejeevers out of me. And we had to navigate this paladin through what he was doing on his, his daily basis, which had a clever clever story that we had to deal with a guy and, you know, the evil wizard who had brought the goblin horde to attack the town. And it was one goblin who was named Horde that you had to deal with. It was a, it was a lizard folk who had been polymorphed to think he, or to think he was a goblin. And, and so as we're dealing with this, we're dealing with the... The internal, you know, how does strength want to handle it versus wisdom versus charisma versus the other stats. In essence, trying to, to fight for control if we're doing, like, was it inside out or whatever, where we're all up in the head trying to steer this guy. And trying to do it in such a way where we didn't violate the lawful good guardrails, mm -hmm. which would always become, like, interesting points where we'd, the one time we would agree on something, which didn't happen very much, was... All right, we can't do that because then all of a sudden we're a fighter without all the juice, right? We, we lose all this stuff, but we're just a, a crappy fighter at this point. And it's interesting to, to look at it from that perspective. And I, I would recommend if somebody ever wanted to run like that, get six people who want to understand what it is to be a paladin and, and force them to each be one of the statistics and, and play through this because you really have to get into the mindset of what does it mean to, to not be lawful stupid, because some of the some of the stats were very much I want to be lawful stupid and you had to you know once you can keep it in the guy guardrails while still being this all seventeens paladin trying to, to do what's right for the area. But like to go back to uh, the point that I was kind of building towards was that paladins are, are like especially starting out are pretty juiced, but it's because they also have that strict code. And if you go outside of it, like you said, it's like, well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a weaker version of a fighter. And yeah. unless you're playing a game where it's nothing but combat, you're not going to be considered overpowered. Yeah. And it, it gets interesting because you, you, are, you don't get a lot of skills, but you're basically built to be a diplomat because you're all in on, on charisma early oh, on. Oh, yeah. I mean, as, as you advance, like rogues or, or whatnot will easily out-diplomats you, but you get... An assumed bonus. It's not in the paper because you're a paladin, right? People know you're not going to cheat them. They know you're on the up and up. And with the paladins, as as well as lawful good, something that would always come up would be, as a DM, looking at what is lawful good, and the logic of 
just because the alignment is written on the paper doesn't make it so, right? It's like, well, it says I'm lawful good, so I'm just doing whatever I want. And like your dad would play all kinds of mental gymnastics around, well, this is why it fits this alignment. Yeah. That's great. I'm the DM, and the rest of the world knows you're full of it, so no. So there would be times where characters would go to do whatever. It's like, doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, like a big part of the whole lawful good thing is the fact that a lot of people seem to interpret it, interpret that to mean that you must always follow laws of wherever you are and whatnot. It's like, no, you are lawful. You are lawful. You are a lawful good character who is beholden to his religious order. You are bound to the law uh, to the law uh, to the laws of whatever god or goddess you're. We're, uh, you know, in service to. And to kind of go a bit, you know, quote, uh, like, boondock saints, the laws of God, you know, outrank the laws of man. To a, to a point. To a point, to, yeah. With with lawful good, it's, it's not just you can ignore the laws if you don't like them, which is where a lot of people would go. A lot of it was, all right, find a way to operate within the law to accomplish your goal or find a way to change the law to accomplish your goal. Yeah. Uh, because once again, you you are supposed to be a bastion of not just goodness, but being good while following the rules. Right? Ultimately, you are playing at a disadvantage because you don't have the freedom to just, you know, I'm going to Tarzan off the clock tower because, aha, and call myself cat good. But if the laws are unjust, you can. And like, it's why I say that, you know, like Captain America, I would consider a lawful good character. Even though there, like, there have been points where he has been a considered a criminal by like the government or whatever, and it's because, and it's like, yeah, because the laws were some like messed up thing, or I mean, depending on the, you know, depending on the writer, Batman could be considered lawful good. Nah, that's a that's a stretch. Depending on the writer, that's a real stretch. Like, he's more likely to be to be chaotic good, but. I view him. Yeah, I, I, I don't know where I wouldn't like. I know he's good. I, I've seen a lot of the talk about him being more, um, more lawful neutral. So he tries to be very fair about what he does, and he accepts that he's not always going to be the good guy. Well, if he was, lo- but if he's, he was following, act- he's following a very clear code right. that he doesn't deviate from. Which is why I say lawful good. If he was actually a lawful neutral, he wouldn't even be Batman. Well, because no. he'd be following the laws of Gotham City. And no, because like to me, lawful neutral is a character like Judge Dredd. But he's he's, he's like he's a clear sign. But with with Batman, there's like he Batman follows his code, and Batman doesn't break from his code. But part like the reason why I can't go purely good, I would take the end scene from Batman Begins. I don't have to kill you, but I'm not going to save you. Again, depending on the, I mean, the same can be said for pretty much any comic book character ever. Because, you know, that's kind of a issue with Western comics is, you know, different writers coming in and out and characters shifting. And yeah. That's a whole topic for a different podcast. But, yeah, Lawful Good is it's a complicated and uh, thing to play, especially if you're paladins, knights, and monks. And I'm pretty sure those are the other one, only ones that have, like, the if you change your alignment, you lose your abilities. Um, though paladins well, and though monks and knights can uh, like you don't necessarily as you, it's only the lawful part that matters. For yeah, them. for them for the paladins, lawful good. You can atone and and work to get it back. Right? Yeah, you can as long as you haven't gone so far down where you know screw the orphanage, haha, <laughs> yeah, orpha kebabs, right? No, as yeah. long as you, don't you can't you can't do that and then go to the church and be like. Uh, I'd like to order one atonement, please. It's yeah. like, 
you still got orphan ash on your boots. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah, until you've actually done something to make yourself worthy of, of going on an atonement quest. It's like, no. I actually think it'd be interesting to go through that, but anyway. Uh, no, I, anytime I've had to deal with that where somebody has clearly, as they say back in the day, gone off the reservation, uh, like you have to acknowledge you've done something wrong, and people will always try to justify their actions. And and the argument, especially counting neutral if you're players. if you're trying to justify your actions, you've already lost because that means you you've given up on what it means to be a paladin yeah. because it's. Like ultimately, a paladin, especially lawful characters, lawful good, especially at the top of the pyramid, are ones who will openly acknowledge their faults and take responsibility for their actions. Which, in in my experience, isn't how most D and D characters get played. Right? There's always the well, but there was this. There's always something else that caused them to do whatever to justify. Like if some external force justifies your actions. You're not a paladin. There's also the issue of some players where if they'll if they do that, it's like you know, and they ha- like they lose all their paladin stuff because pl- uh, players, for the most part, see their characters as disposable and replaceable. Will go, well, my character jumps off a cliff as you know some kind of atonement. I'm gonna write up a new character, and yeah. I'm. I'm not a fan. I like coming up. I like having characters with character to them. Characters that stick around. Yes, I, I try to to alleviate that. That's a, a whole other episode on how do you make characters that aren't disposable. How do you make players give a crap? I'm going to I'm going to write that down because that's going to be a future podcast. How do you make not how do you how do you force characters to not be disposable? Uh, but I well, think as far as lawful yeah. good goes, I think we've kind of covered everything at this point. Yeah, it's it's complicated. It can be if you got the right people to play with it can be a lot, and the right mindset it can be a lot of fun to play a lot of a good character and it's nice to just play a character who's a good person sometimes yeah yeah just it's nice to it's just, nice to play a good person you know unlike how most of us are in real life not at least not to that degree of good yeah all right dragon thank you uh, this was good. This was uh, episode nine of the Exodus of Magic podcast: lawful good versus lawful stupid, and riding the lines in between uh, to to make a character that can both be played, be played properly, uh, be fun, and and work with a cohesive party. Yeah. Thanks for having me again. Very well. Be around again. Yeah. Oh, we'll definitely talk to you in the future. Uh, so once again, this is Dungeon Master Eddie with the episode of Magic podcast. Thank you, and we'll come at you with episode 10 in the near future.